friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And it is April, and it is Canadian Literature Month. And Over. it's almost the end of winter. Yeah, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we've said that every single fucking episode. If anybody... Okay, so if someone listening to this lives in a warmer climate... <laughs> you feel I, sorry I know, for us no it, well first of all good for you but second of all I also like I can completely understand if you don't get why we keep bringing this up over and over again I feel like it's gonna be really hard to understand but there's this entire period of time between like mid-February and like early April where life is just weeks tick by with just waiting for all of the snow to melt and for it to get warmer outside that's that's just what it is like that's what you spend the majority of your time hoping for and the problem is that it tricks you so you think it's getting warm and then all of a sudden the snow starts melting and then you get another snowstorm or two yeah there are very many times where that happens um where we get we have like a period where it looks like oh look everything's melted and then suddenly you look at the forecast in 48 hours it looks everything's been great for like a week and a half and then 48 hours from now we're getting another 20 centimeters and you're like oh god just kill me um so you can't help so so you can't help but just be real sad as canadians except you guys out in vancouver i don't know what you guys are complaining about rain (laughs) yeah rain i guess it just rains it just rains a lot but the rest of us um have to deal with things for much 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 longer i can't you know people out in the prairies get it really bad people out on the atlantic side of things get it really bad (laughs) we get it pretty fucking bad too so you know i get it i feel for all of you we're all in the same boat (laughs) so it's almost over so speaking of that we're just you know in that vein we thought about bringing all of our canadians together (laughs) which is why we're doing canadian lit month because we were like oh we're all miserable at this time of year let's talk about something good in canada (laughs) it's not the weather but it is the literature (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Um, And we got to kind of talking about the idea of sort of, you know, American lit is obviously super prominent, which makes sense. But when you grow up in Canada, you do have a tendency to be exposed to a lot of Canadian literature, whether it's for school or for pleasure or whatever it is. And within that, we kind of started thinking about the different themes that are prevalent in both of those, which you would think they'd be exactly the same. They're not. Just because we're right next to each other doesn't mean that our literature is completely the same. So we decided um, to just kind of sit down and have a chat about the like prevalent themes in Canadian versus American literature, kind of what's the same, what's different, and maybe why we think that might be the case also. Yeah. And also the you know, I can't really comment that much on American lit. Actually, I should be able to comment on American literature. I have taken, I think, you've taken so many literature three, three separate American literature <laughs> courses and one or two Canadian literature courses. So, well, there you go. So that's yeah. what we're gonna. So that's it. So we're gonna get into that a little bit today. Um, but before we do, now we have a really funny story to like follow this up. But Shireen, what's on your nightstand this week? What are you reading? Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> listen to this, people. So as some of you you may know I am a big fan of Twilight and it's only been mentioned once or twice (laughs) and so this week with it being quite gloomy and dark outside I don't know why but always at this time of year I get into like a I want to read Twilight or I want to watch Twilight because it's set in Washington where it also rains a whole bunch and it's great all the time in those books I think that's what it is and so 
I got like in the mood to read Twilight this week and I haven't done it in the last couple of years. And so wow. I mosey over to my bookshelf where I know all my Twilight books are. And lo and behold, there is no physical copy of Twilight on my bookshelf. <laughs> She's got everything else, including <laughs> Midnight Sun, but no Twilight. <laughs> I don't know where Twilight went. So I was like, okay, this isn't a problem. I will just walk or walk, go to the bookstore. Sure. Went to the bookstore. No Twilight in stock. Everything else is available except Twilight. Yeah. So then I went online for our bookstore also, not in stock anywhere. Anywhere! Or online! <laughs> well, you finally found a copy. I found it on Amazon. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's very strange. Because it's true, I do have a tendency to do that too. Like, I'll be more likely to look... Um, through even like like whether it's an independent or like a large bookstore retailer whatever you want to call it I'll be more likely to do that than I will to like buy a book on Amazon I don't yeah. know why I just don't think about it and I don't do it most of the time it doesn't occur to me yeah. um and you know most of the time I'd rather I don't know I guess I'd rather get a book from a bookstore maybe I'm just weird like <laughs> yeah I'm the same yeah that's it or like a, a specific book retailer I guess yeah is something that I tend to gravitate towards so yeah so it's always weird to me when I have to like when I have no choice and I have to like go to Amazon, the only thing I ever do with Amazon Bookwise is like a Kindle copy of something. Or Twilight, apparently. Well, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I have my copy of Twilight. Yeah, la di da. But apparently I'm the only one. <laughs> so, what's on your nightstand, Megan? <laughs> I am. I get, well, I guess I'm also, I guess I was also in mode of like, oh, I want to, God, I want to read something that, you know, for me is like a fun time usually and will cheer me up and that I always really enjoy. So I am reading the latest Grady Hendrix book mm -hmm. that just came out um, at the beginning of the year called How to Sell a Haunted House, <laughs> which is uh, basically follows a single mother who has to, whose parents die very suddenly. She has to... Um, leave where she is, which I think is in San Francisco, and go back to her hometown in North Carolina to deal with cleaning up everything, getting the house sorted and sold and deal with an impossibly horrible brother at the same time, but mm -hmm. also like a lot of previous issues, like a very, he's, they're very estranged and sort of deal with all of those. But of course, to top the regular familial issues off, it also turns out that there's definitely something very, very, very wrong with their parents' house. So, and are these books kind of like funny in their own way? They are in a very dark sort of way. There's an almost, um, depending on which book of Grady Hendrix's I'm reading, sometimes, you know, sometimes the humor is more obvious mm. and sometimes it's done in a very campy sort of way. Mm. Um, but it's always sort of a bit tongue in cheek and a bit like self-aware, right? you know, like it's got a bit of a meta feel to it where it's kind of aware of what's going on, particularly depending on what the like what like the story itself is and mm -hmm. what like the content of it is and what the horror element of the story is but I will say that it's really crazy that you know stories like his who which very often that's it do have that tongue-in-cheek sort of um self-awareness to them have genuine moments of horror that are so bothersome mm -hmm. to read that you're like oh my god that's terrifying oh, gosh, in okay. the middle of something else that's Not happening because me, of then. just like particular descriptions and then you're taken right back out of it so it's this really interesting really nice balance every time I read one of them I'm always just really impressed with the balance between sort of horror and comedy and legitimate um sort of dramatic especially like 
friend and familial relationships between people. He's just got a knack for it. I don't know what it is. And he really, I will say, I don't say this very often because I don't feel that way very often. Grady Hendrix has a knack for writing from the female perspective, which is not something that I feel happens very frequently. No, that is not. But basically all of his leads are female Hmm. in his novels. And I I get it. It doesn't bother me at all. Cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll give one a try. You should do. They're fun. You should read the vampire one. We'll give it. Send it over. All right. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. We're not going to dilly-dally anymore. (laughs) Let's get into things and let's talk about some some Canadian lit themes and some American literature themes. Um, So I think... I mean, I guess, okay, so we were trying to kind of have like a bit of a conversation about this earlier and doing like a little bit of reading into it more and kind of, I think, looking into some of our own like reading history (laughs) to get an idea of things. We've talked about American literature before Mm. on the podcast and, you know, we've talked about a lot of the themes within American lit, you know, very much like patriotism, um, like a search for identity and like all of those things. And I do still think that those are ones that are very prevalent, but I guess, you know, what we've been talking about and what we're looking at now is that the search for identity in American literature oftentimes is very much like I'm searching for my identity as an American. Mm. And that does seem to be very rooted in it is that at the end of the day, everything that is occurring in these pieces of literature is very much as an American, like mm-hmm. as a person who is living in America and therefore American automatically. And where America stands in the world and how that impacts who I am as a person. And like even down to where you are from or where you live in America, you know, like, oh, I'm originally from Texas, but now I live in New York. Like that yeah. impacts like your identity as like an a Texan, you know, or yes. a New Yorker. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, and we're commenting from the outside looking in as well. Mm-hmm. So for sure, like if, you know, if there's more comments to be made on this, we apologize. Um, but really as outsiders looking in and reading American literature, it's a lot of this like search for identity, but also as, you know, like as an individual in America, but also like if you read earlier American literature, it's the search for identity of America as a country in the world. Yes, that's Um, true. You know, this like, like if you read Poe, it's all about like, you know, industrial, sorry, urbanization, you know. Um, There's many writers who wrote about like, you know, this like great migration towards the cities and stuff. And then towards the Western part of the country and everything like that, like, you know, towards like California and all of those sorts of areas, which were, you know, for a long period of time, weren't part of America technically for Mm -hmm. quite a long time. Um, Yeah. And I, and I guess what we've noticed more than anything and something that, you know, I find I see on a regular basis is that search for identity, I think is a big part of many different types of literature um, from many different countries and many different parts of the world. But I guess what what we see a lot of the time in Canadian literature is that there's definitely a search for identity happening, absolutely. But I guess that it's more a search for identity in terms of just like, who am I as a person? Not necessarily who am I as a Canadian person, but who am I as a human being, like my search for identity is just my identity in like my general identity, not my identity based on the country that I live in. Yeah. And I think, I think this comes a lot from like, 
you know, so many nations within living together in this yeah. nation, you know, people coming from all sorts of places. And not to say that it's not the same thing in America, but in America, you have the American dream, right? And yeah. And, like, I think there's this idea that, you know, there's such this dream to go live in America for so many people that mm -hmm. when they get there, they can say, now I'm American. Canada has this different feel where, you know, A, we're newer as a country Very as well. Very much, yeah. Um, aside from Quebec, but that's different. Like, that's why Quebec is so different to the rest of the country. Um, yeah, we has... have, and we have a weird perspective on that as well because we're born and raised. So both of us are born and raised in Quebec. So we've seen things um, from that perspective and also from the perspective, we're going to talk about this in another, in another episode, a little bit, one of the films that we're doing, but also from the perspective of two people who were born and raised in a French majority, mostly French speaking province as two people who grew up very Anglophone within yeah. that French speaking province. And that sort of gives you a different a perspective, I think. A different search for identity, right? Yeah. Like how do I fit here? But, um, yeah, and I think, you know, if you think about, like, the indigenous peoples of Canada, they yeah. are all nations within a nation as well, you know, Absolutely. like, they are not one people, they are all different, you know, and so when you read Canadian literature, there's this undertone of, where are my roots, where did I come from, yes. like, you know, yeah. what is, where did my family come from, and then that exploration, and how it ties back to who I am as a person mm -hmm. in this country, whereas... In American literature, it's very much like, how am I an American and how, you know, how does that contribute to my yes. my place in America? And I think that what you said before is completely on the nose that way. it's I think a lot of that it happens because America is older as a country. They've existed for longer. They're more well-established, but also largely because there has been such a push for this American dream for people and the idea of America being the most amazing place in the world to be and to go. Yeah. And so for a lot of people who are choosing to leave the other places that they're originally living, there's just this light at the end of the tunnel of, oh, it will be better mm. if I am an American. If I can get to America and be an American, things will be better for yeah. me. And that's very prominent in a lot of literature yes. um, in America. A lot. A I lot find. of it. You do um, see it on a really, on like a very regular basis. And whether that's true or not, you know, based on different experiences, I think um, it's a very old notion. So I don't know if it's as prominent now, but I like. I don't think so anymore because I do think that a lot of, um, you know, American authors now, first of all, um, are being given more diverse voices yeah. and people are being allowed to be heard and to actually put their work out there and be published yeah. much more than, you know, in past decades. Um, but I think that, so I think that that's giving way to a newer wave of multiculturalism that didn't exist quite as much mm. before. And I don't think that Canada has ne necessarily been perfect with this. Mm. I would never say that. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> but I do think that I've, I guess, and again, I guess just exposure to it simply from having been born and raised in this country, I guess just to me kind of, I've always found like that there's been easy access to Canadian literature written by Canadian authors mm -hmm. um, that feels more multicultural in its narrative and the experience that the characters are having within the story and like all of the different aspects of things as opposed to I find you know, like, even if you're looking at, like, older, slightly older stories versus, like, you know, if you look at slightly more old, like, classic American literature, that's not something that you see as regularly. Mm. 
Yeah, there's like a couple of other things that are very different. Like in in Canadian literature, there's this personification of the weather. Oh, and yeah. of like nature. I love that we were just talking about how annoyed we are about the snow. That's well, this still is around. it, and this is why it's such a prominent. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, and you know, commentary. It's kind of worth like almost like talking about and bringing up just what the weather patterns have a tendency to be like here mm-hmm. for people, and like you know, this is us, com- like you know, like having still having trouble complaining about it as people who were born and raised here and aren't planning on leaving. No, I mean, this is it. Like I have lived outside of Canada and I came back, you know, Um, and this is it. Like there's this, because the weather is so extreme in many cases, you know, we are a lot more to the North of the U S and so like, if you look at it from, um, like just from the map and like the, the different climates, Mm -hmm. um, most of our land is not it's it's uninhabitable. Yeah. So we all actually live mostly on the border of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at like the U.S., this is why they have ten times the population of Canada because we just have, have a lot of uninhabited space. Well, yeah, because we can't live there. You know, yeah. like, most well, of our country is the tundra. Yeah. If, if we could, it would take a really long time to develop it. Exactly. Um, and so that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Well, this is it. You know, but the fact that our weather is in some cases so bitter and like ruthless Mm -hmm. you know like it is produced you know books so many different stories about the weather and I find that so interesting okay and I don't know if you agree with me on this but I find that so interesting because versus um you know the U.S. I find anyway from everything I've observed and everything I've read and seen over the years the U.S. has so much more um, depending on what part of the country you're in, they're so much more likely to experience natural disasters yeah. in a lot of places. It's true. Canada doesn't have as much of that. I Hurricanes, think it's, I think it's twisters, we, like, you know, um, real bad earthquake faults. Yeah. We don't have that many fault lines that run through the country. No. Uh, we don't have as much, we don't have tornado alley where no. like, you know, like all through like sort of like the Midwest and the South and yeah. all like the flatlands and everything. And we do have flatlands. We have three whole ass provinces oh, that yeah, are you like, could, like look whoosh, from one from where, like from Alberta all the way like through you, Manitoba into BC, yeah, basically you can see the whole thing. You there'd be like one lamp. There'd be like three. One, yeah, there'd be like one mountain in BC, and then you'd just be able to see it straight from Calgary, yeah. basically. But and that's like far. It's really yeah. For reference, it's really fucking far. It's like a three day train ride. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but it's true. Uh, like we joke about it, but you know, I do find that funny because our you know, getting back to what you were saying, that's it. Weather becomes, weather and nature become a really big part of a lot of Canadian lit stories, largely because a lot of them are set in areas where like the weather will make a big difference in what's happening to the characters and the experience that they're having. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny because so much of it is just centered around like the seasons and how they work as opposed to like, oh, we might experience a really bad earthquake or flooding or this or that. We don't have that. We don't have like forest. Well, they do in Alberta. We do. Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. It does happen. But it's true that we're, we are kind of largely spared from that. And I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that it's bloody cold up here (laughs) and that, maybe luckily that does help us a little bit yeah. i'd like to think that i'm pretty sure what's gonna happen if there's ever like a day after tomorrow like scenario where all kinds of weird shit starts happening at the same time it's just gonna get fucking cold here and that's how we're all gonna die that's it <laughs> pretty much yeah. i mean i think they said that isn't montreal gonna be submerged in water or something if the 
if climate change keeps happening I wouldn't be surprised I mean like Venice is already on its fucking way out isn't it it, and there's places in I think is it in the Maldives that are basically like slowly but surely heading underwater if I'm not mistaken yeah so I wouldn't be too surprised there are gonna be a few places like the island and stuff that are going to because Montreal's an island for people who aren't aware yeah so that's gonna be submerged that'll be interesting yeah (laughs) oh man but it's true and it I just find that I always find that really funny that yeah we it's such a big part of different stories and it's such a big part of like what makes a lot of Canadian stories so I guess interesting to read because you're reading so much about like the climate and you know the physical experience of living on the land and everything yeah um but it really just has to do with like it's really just like it is cold and icy for a very large part and of the winter, and then it just gets real hot, and then it gets really hot and humid for yeah. another part of the year. It's really strange, um, yeah. But it's really strange. But I find like because when you think of a lot of like Canadian literature, you know, you're always going back to things like Anne of Green Gables and like a lot of like the much older yeah. classics, and so Two many, the North. yeah, yeah, and so many, so much of like you know those stories and everything really do like they talk about. Um, like what the weather is like. They talk about the farm. They talk about all of this stuff on such a regular basis. But I find what's interesting is like, you know, you get these themes in Canadian literature about like the land and like nature and being connected to Mm -hmm. it. Um, And like that, again, going back to that identity of like building your identity in this one spot, like putting your roots down. Yeah, I am here here. and I am not moving. Yeah, like I now live in Ottawa or Toronto. Like for anybody listening, we have like three major cities in Canada and then like three smaller ones. (laughs) And then three slightly smaller ones. Um, But, you know, it's like I live here kind of thing. Um, Whereas in America, there's this mindset of social mobility, you know, like I can't find work. Yeah. So I'm just going to move. And I'm going to go to college, like, across the country. Yes. And it's just not something that we do here, you know, like... It's very rare. We don't have a tendency. We A lot of people, if you look at, like, a lot of, like, Canadian students, we don't regularly relocate in the same way, particularly people who are born and raised here. Especially in, like, in the Montreal, like, in Quebec. In, like, the larger, yeah, in Quebec. And even, like, even in, like, the larger, like, sort of metropolitan areas. So, you know, your Montreal, Toronto, uh, Vancouver um you know Calgary Edmonton like those kinds of things as well yeah so I find I guess that's it I guess you know we're not used to it because again like it's very rare that Canadian students are like looking to regularly relocate and move very far away from their families in order to go to school we just don't do that here or even work ingrained in the mindset Mm -mm. and like again I might be wrong because I've never grown up in America but like when you watch tv and again it might be wrong but when you watch tv it's like oh like time to apply for college let's apply places all over the country yeah is that a thing I would like somebody to tell me at some point no I would really like it if like an American say that I like literally know American people it's not like I can't ask well I did ask my um stepmother-in-law and she said that it's absolutely normal Hmm. like totally that's what people do that's so interesting Uh, like I find it fascinating because, yeah, that's it. That's it's so exciting. Yeah, like, I know. It's, 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 you know? Like, it's opening like a whole, uh, like up like a whole world for you. I would hope, I'm sure it doesn't do this because, of course, no one, it seems, would be able to manage this. But I would hope that it would give people a higher maturity level. I'm sure it doesn't, but it should. Like, I feel like in some cases it would, but I feel like in many cases it would not. Yeah, you know? I know. It's too bad because, like, you know, you'd th- you would hope that 
something like that would give a person um, a bigger sense of like autonomy and having to actually take care of things on their own. Even if you're living in like a dorm or something, you still have to kind of like manage your life a little, at least a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I actually, you know what? I'd be really curious to look into some statistics, um, sort of the states versus Canada as far as like uh, college and dropout rates and things like that and what those look like because mm-hmm. like every like you know sort of tuition and things is much more expensive in the US than yep. it is in Canada for higher education so I'd be really curious to know kind of like do people perhaps take it more seriously because you have to move far away yep. and you know manage things on your own I don't know I wonder if that lends itself to maybe people trying a little bit harder <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I know in the UK people, they do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going to university in the UK, you apply to other cities and you move. But I mean, the UK is the size of a postage stamp. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, the same. Like if you can take like a one hour train home on the yeah, weekend or whatever. Not like, quite the same. Nah, um, as opposed to like, you know, like the US is also, yes, they have many more states than we have provinces, for instance, obviously. So like, yes, province wise and stuff like that, like we have greater area like land Mm. mass area and I think overall we technically do have more land yeah we do we're second after Russia I'm pretty sure so yes actually I think we are the biggest country in the world because I thought Russia was the biggest uh, not since they're no longer the USSR although if Putin had anything to do with it oh god whatever Mm. okay anyway (laughs) we can't get into that we'll be at this all day but um Yeah. Okay. So I wonder, I wonder if that had, you know, so like in the States, you know, I know that they do have like a little, but they still have a lot of space. Like they do have, obviously like the States themselves are a little bit smaller because of that, but they do still have a ton of space in the sense of like, you know, it's not that easy because you're like, yeah, but I'm probably still going to have to take a flight or a train for like six hours to get home. You know what I mean? Like that's a really, that's a really normal thing to do as opposed to like you're saying in the UK, people are like, well, I'll take like an hour and a half train so I can literally go home every Friday through Sunday if I want to. Exactly. (laughs) Like it's, it's basically what we would call a commute if you live in the GTA. Yeah, pretty much. Like, honestly, like, when I was going to college, yeah. you know, I my college was on, like, in the city of Montreal, and I lived south of the city of Montreal, and, like, a little ways off, not a crazy ways off, but a little ways off to Far get enough. there, you know, that you would have to take... Um, a bus and then a, I was about to say metro, a subway ride, (laughs) just to clarify, to get into, to actually like get to my school. And that entire commute in one direction was about an hour. It was like 50 minutes to an hour. Totally normal for us here. Yeah. And it's like, that's not weird. It's just like, well, yeah, that's where I live and that's where I'm going to school. Well, when I was in Toronto, I I know people who spend two hours each way. A hundred percent, especially Toronto because people live quite far out of the city as well. I think that lends itself to very long commutes mutes because of course the further away you go the less expensive it is to actually like, cost of living is less expensive the further the exactly. you get away from any large city so I feel like that must be like part of the new wave of Canadian literature you know like cost of living and like oh I want to yeah towards like <laughs> we should know, look into that I'd be really curious if some more property. modern stories are like of people being like well I can't afford to live here it's so like, it kind of goes back to like that the fact that so much of our land we can't live in it you know yes. and so like if you look at even you look on Zillow, I look at house listings in the U.S., yeah. various parts of the U.S., and I'm like, this is totally affordable. Still. I know it's crazy. Like it's just like you know, like a four hundred thousand dollar house in the U.S. would get you like you know seven bedrooms and four bathrooms. Yeah, that's it. A four hundred thousand dollar house here. Here's a shack, basically. It's a shed. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shed in the fucking backyard of some. It's like a pool house of someone else's house, exactly. basically, which costs like one point five million to get. So. <laughs> You know, so uh, I do think that those things kind of, I love the positives and negatives come from both sides of things, mm-hmm. which is always interesting. Um, 
But yeah, otherwise though, I will say, obviously, there are similarities between oh, the two of them many. as well. Like we said, overall search for identity is definitely something. Coming of age stories are happening everywhere, oh, no matter huge. who's writing them, who's producing them, whatever the situation is, those types of stories are being printed all the time mm-hmm. from every country, every year, everywhere. We love we love a good coming of age. Story. For sure, for sure. No matter <laughs> like where they're coming from, who the person is, yeah. you know, like they're always those are always kind of interesting ones. I think because we can all relate to them in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a lot of them. I do find that things in our case get a little bit more relationship with things like the British Empire, which technically we're under in Canada, mm-hmm. versus America. It's their relationship with like politics, but specifically American politics. So I do find that those are kind of Well they they had a very like air quotes aggressive breakup with yes. the British Empire. Mm-hmm. Whereas we didn't. Like we we still have loyalists here in Canada after oh, for sure. you know after they separate after them uh, <laughs> After um, the U.S. like you know got their independence from yes uh, England, you know can, Canada was very much still well. We don't have that here. We technically still function under the we, we do monarchy. We technically quote unquote. still do. Like we still have the I guess the king now. On oh our, God! I keep on wanting to be like the queen. I'm like oh shit oh, no. Shit. <laughs> no the king on our coins, you know. So you know, like in the U.S., not that anybody cares oh, about yeah, that no. here can I just can I just like let's mention that as like an office to the oh, side no. too like, I, have you side note has anybody seen all the funny stories about how many people are refusing to perform at the coronation lol. it's so funny good like, Harry Styles the Spice Girls a ton of like huge acts were approached and they've all said no good anyway um so yeah so we have like a very different relationship with the with England here in Canada like yeah. to the point where a lot of like our um, Canadian spelling is very much British spelling. hundred percent. Like, you've got like a weird I, merging of like the American number and of times that I will be texting and I or like writing something, even just like typing something out um, in like a document, and I write the word color or favorite with an O U, and it's underlining it to tell me that it's incorrect. I'm like, shut the fuck up, and I just like keep oh, writing yeah. and I ignore it anyway. <laughs> well, this is it, right? So like, we never really like fully broke up with no. England here in Canada. Canada, whereas in the U.S. it was very much like we have our independence and that is what kicked off the United States. It was basically a war. So. It was a war. Um, and like that has contributed immensely to a lot of the themes yeah. in American literature, uh, old American literature. Um, you know, it's like breaking up with your roots, basically. Yes, you know? like yes, it's true. Cutting off your roots and saying, I am my own person and I exist within my own entity now. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Canadian literature is very different where we never really broke that tie. No, and now we're also, I find anyway, we're almost getting to the point of trying to circle back more to mm-hmm. also acknowledge other original Canadian yes. stories. So having, you know, more Indigenous literature out there and <laughs> hearing more Indigenous voices out yep. there, which... Um, plays such a big part in our history because of the sheer volume of people well, who were our here. History. Like that our Canadian history is is like indigenous, indigenous history, history really yes absolutely know? and you know the way that indigenous people have been treated. Yep. So that comes into play quite um, a bit I find even now even more than it did before and I do find that um I do find that a lot of 
a lot of Canadian literature that's like retained an immense amount of popularity also does like to kind of take a look at like the US and kind of be like and like poke a little bit and be like oh I don't like it over there I like it over here kind of thing that we do have a tendency to do that like even if you look at something like um like The Handmaid's Tale you know yeah that was written by a Canadian yo I know but that's what I mean like in the sense of like you know like that people are trying to escape to Canada specifically mm-hmm. because Canada like basically impl- implying that Canada would never put forth like a society like this and a societal structure like this <laughs> I really hope not god um, yeah. um it's just like a little dig I think from Margaret Atwood to be like nope, <laughs> nope. no thank you well that one was freaky because she wrote that years before and then like you know when they made the show yes yeah um I can't remember when the show came out, but I feel like it was around the same time that Trump was in power. It was during, I think. It was and it, during. It did, it's true. It did feel kind of appropriate for Ooh. that time. I'm sure they it didn't was, even do it on purpose, it but I feel like it's quick, appropriate. Let me tell you, yeah. the whole time I was like, oh. You're like, oh God, this feels like it's possible now and yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. I had no. to stop watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched it actually. Really? Yeah, I know. Oh. Everybody is like, what? You gotta watch at least the first season. No, I know. I've heard that it gets not as good later, but that the first season's like incredible. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get around I think to it's it. The the shock factor of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll get around to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think you know, I think it's interesting to see how. I guess in both cases, though, I do think it's interesting to see the evolution of literature um, from old to new, and how it's really we're really giving way to a lot more diversity. Yeah. In, in the voices that are being put forth and the voices that are being heard in the literary community. Yeah. I would be very curious if any of our listeners are from other parts of Canada, mm-hmm. how um, like the literature from like Saskatchewan is, for example. Yeah. Like, like cause like, cause I've read a lot of like Montreal based and Quebec based yes, literature yeah. and that in itself is very interesting. Like to me, it does not at all connect with um, a lot of Canadian literature. No, it doesn't. And it's it, like its own thing. It's its own thing. It's very much rooted in the city. Like it personifies oh, it's very, Montreal. It personifies like the urban aspects of yeah. this particular province and like those specific urban aspects, um, you know, and how they function. I think the only, I guess the only things that I've like touched on a tiny bit myself that where you get out of that a little bit is um the three pines mysteries by louise penny those are set out in the eastern townships of quebec so they're like a little ways outside of montreal and those are very based again based in their surroundings see this is the nature Mm. thing again it's very based in the small it's like a fictional small town Mm. um but it's very based in that aspect of things like how like the small town functions with um you know, like murders that are occurring and with yeah. like, you know, it follows, um, a, an officer who's basically like a detective who's basically trying to solve all of those mysteries. Actually, they made a, a series on Amazon prime called three pines and that's what it's based on. It was filmed just over the street over here. Like a minute ago. Yeah. That no, they but were- like just over here. Oh, did they do it? Here? Yeah, the house, like just over here. Yeah, yeah. They there, it there. yeah, there yeah. you go. That's it. Well, that's it exactly. Well, there's it's set here. Yeah. So, well, that's it. And like you know, if you read stories like that take place in the city of Montreal, like um, 
uh, lullabies for little criminals that is one. what you're thinking of yeah. yeah and also like bottle rocket hearts and stuff mm. it's all about like montreal and how the city can be cruel but yes. how it can also be beautiful yeah um very much like a new york based novel it you know? does kind of feel yeah. that way that they are like you know that it's willing they're very much willing to point out the negative and the positive yeah. aspect aspects of the city yeah because you still feel enamored with the city yes. even though like there's some pretty horrible horrible things, things that are happening to the yeah. characters yeah, especially in lullabies for little criminals you know um i don't even think i ever got through the whole thing it, it was really tough. bothered it really it was bothered rough. me um for those of you listening it's a novel written from the perspective of a little girl who um is with her dad and she loves her dad uh, but her dad's a heroin addict yeah. and um is kind of following her as she grows up in the city and then she ends up having to turn to prostitution to sex when work she's in order about to, yeah. 13, I think. Yes, I think um, so. To feed her own heroin addiction. Yeah. Um, and sort really of sad. Everything that happens rough. to her throughout so like, rough. the course of her young life, basically. Um, and it's very it's very heavy. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Um, but, but beautifully written. But again, it's like beautifully written and it does touch on certain really, really lovely aspects of the city yeah. itself as well. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, and I mean, for us, as Canadians, but also specifically as people who've grown up in Quebec and in the Montreal area, um, we, I think, find a lot of relation with that because those are the things that, a lot of those things are the way that I feel about the city and about the province itself as a whole. There's a lot of ugly aspects of it. There are a lot of very ignorant people who feel a certain way about certain things to do with the province and with the languages within the province. But there are also, especially Montreal itself, I will say there are also so many beautiful aspects to the city. And despite all of that, there's so much multiculturalism that exists and that feels authentic to me and not forced. Um, And that's something that I've always appreciated about it as the city. And it feels like it's my city, basically, because it's what I've grown up near. I mean, I've moved out of Montreal twice now, and I've come back both times. So (laughs) I am here to stay. So basically, Shireen's saying, so far, everywhere else I've tried sucks, and this is where I'm staying. It's okay. Like, it's fine. I tried Toronto. Don't go there, people. Just tried England for a while. (laughs) I tried England. (laughs) Also too much. So... So yeah, so those are just a few of the musings that we've had about sort of the idea of American lit, of Canadian lit, of what both of them have and what both of them are maybe lacking a little bit also. Um, But what do you guys think of all of this? Have you read a lot of Canadian literature? Because I'm always curious to know if people have or not. Um, You can let us know about that over on our Instagram page at FullyBookedCA. And you can also check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash bookwaswaybetter. And if you're still here hanging around with us, which I hope you are, um, you can please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to the episode because it really helps us get the show out in front of more people. But until next week, guys, keep on reading. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.